The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's a Wednesday. That means it is time for our medical feature. We do that every Wednesday. If you've been following the news, you will know that there's been a measles outbreak. Yeah, in 2022, 2023, there's a measles outbreak. We're dealing with measles in South Africa. Dr. Leslie Bramford, who's a child health specialist at the Department of Health, uh, is with us uh, on the line to talk about this. Dr. Bramford, thank you so much. Bramford, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to need an, a measles 101 from the very beginning. What, I know it's a virus. I know it predominantly affects children. And I know it leads to things such as dehydration and diarrhea. But what's the medical definition and, and, and breakdown of measles? So uh, good morning and good morning to the listeners. So uh, if we look at measles, as you correctly say, it's a, vir- a disease caused by a virus. Uh, it historically is a very, was a very uh, common uh, childhood infection and almost all children experienced measles in the past. However, now we have uh, immunization and we can uh, prevent measles, uh, providing that all children are immunized. If we look at um, measles, as I said, it's a, it's a common illness. Uh, it starts with a fairly non-specific, with non-specific uh, symptoms, uh, with fever, and then what we call the three C's, which are a coryza or a runny nose, a cough and conjunctivitis or red eyes. Um, after a few days, then the typical uh, measles uh, rash develops. And it's actually at that point that it becomes uh, more obvious that the person uh, is suffering from measles. It is an unpleasant uh, disease. In most cases, it is not a terribly severe disease. But unfortunately, in some groups, uh, particularly young children, uh, the children or the person can develop uh, complications of measles. Uh, These include uh, diarrhea, pneumonia, um, eye and ear complications, Uh, In some few cases, uh, inflammation of the brain as well. And um, unfortunately, when these complications set in, the the child or the person can become very sick and can require uh, hospitalization. And in some cases, it can result in death. Mm. Let's talk about that, that rash. Where does that rash pop up? So we call it a, a macular papular rash, which means that it's a that it's a, a reddish raised um, rash, and it tends to start uh, in the face and um, upper body, and then um, move out to uh, the extremities, the the arms and arms and legs. Uh, in addition, uh, some people experience uh, what we call coplic spots, which are very small. Uh, spots on the inside of the mouth, which are only seen in measles. Um, and so those can also assist in making the diagnosis. Mm. Uh, and, and the texture of this rash, how do, you, how do you know if it's just an ordinary rash from an allergic reaction versus it being a rash as a result of measles, for instance? Is there something specific about 
the texture of the rash as a result of measles? Is there something specific about the, uh, is it a wet or a dry rash? What, how, how do you identify a measles rash? So, so it can uh, be difficult uh, to be sure uh, if a person has measles. Uh, other rashes may look uh, very similar. So in the context, uh, we have what we call the uh, suspected case of measles, which is any case that uh, meets the uh, case definition. And the case definition is uh, that the person has a fever, uh, has evidence of the three Cs that I mentioned, and has a rash. Uh, and in those cases, we would assume that it was measles and the person would need to be uh, tested for measles and it would then become the the laboratory test would allow us to uh, confirm that this is a case of measles or uh, exclude measles and there are other conditions that can look uh, very similar to measles uh, hence the need to confirm all cases uh, through mm. laboratory testing mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that measles can result in in death um is it a common feature of it or is death in rare and uh, few and far between uh circumstances um and if short of death i would assume it would be severe illness right exactly so um as i indicated in in many people and particularly older children and adults uh, measles can be a, a relative an unpleasant but a mild um, disease Young children are most at risk, uh, and particularly uh, children who may be um, undernourished uh, or have a suppressed immune system for, a, for another reason. So uh, death is relatively um, uncommon, but uh, hospitalization amongst young children uh, is more common. And mm. uh, given that we can prevent uh, these hospitalizations and uh, deaths through uh, immunization uh, it really it really is a disease that we would that we are working uh, towards uh, eliminating uh, and we do hope in the future that we will no longer see any cases of measles mm. why why do measles affect children predominantly and severely um so it's to do with the, the interaction uh, between the virus and the uh, host immune system. Um, so, and uh, measles can uh, have an effect on the uh, immune system. We know that uh, young children are uh, more vulnerable to uh, developing infectious diseases such as uh, pneumonia and diarrhea, they have less ability to fight off those infections. Yeah. And so if we further suppress their uh, immune system, or if their immune system is, is further suppressed uh, because of the uh, measles infection, uh, then it places them at a very high risk of uh, experiencing those complications. Mm. Give us a call, 86 0 2032 86-000-2032. If you have a comment or a question for Dr. Leslie Bamford, who's a child, uh, child health specialist at the National Department of Health, you can be a part of this conversation, especially perhaps if you or your child may have been diagnosed with measles in the last couple of months. I know the outbreak started in October last year, so it's been a good four months of us trying to deal with this. 
Dr. Bamford, maybe then let's speak about the, the outbreak having started in October. It, that seems quite random. Was there something specific that happened that, that led to the outbreak? So, um, as I indicated, uh, measles is, is entirely uh, preventable, and we prevent measles uh, through immunizing children. All children in South Africa should receive uh, two doses of the measles vaccine. Now, uh, because measles is so highly infectious, in order to ensure population immunity, we need to um, achieve very high immunization rates, up to 95% of children receiving those two doses of measles vaccine. So unfortunately, in South Africa, we don't uh, achieve those uh, vaccine coverage rates. And as a result, um, over a period of time, uh, the number of children who are not protected uh, from measles uh, builds up. And so we know that uh, over a period of about five to six years, um, it is likely that the number of unprotected children will increase. Uh, and so we do see um, a pattern of outbreaks um, occurring um, round about every uh, five, to, five to six years. We uh, also know that there was a large outbreak uh, last year in uh, Zimbabwe, and we know that we have a lot of movement uh, across our borders. Um, so it was not unexpected uh, that an outbreak uh, should occur and should have started uh, in Limpopo province. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is th- does poor sanitation cause measles? I, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, viruses live very well in, um, you know, substances and, and environments where contamination can thrive and poor sanitation is a good example thereof. Um, is, is that a place people could contract measles from? So, uh, not really. Uh, measles is, uh, is transmitted, is a respiratory infection, so it's uh, transmitted uh, in the air uh, through contact. Um, so, so uh, I guess overcrowding uh, is, an, is an issue, but because it's a very uh, infectious disease, um, we know that if there is a case, then uh, it is very likely that all the family members or um, other children in the same ECD center or class at school uh, will contract uh, measles from that case, unless, of course, they are protected through uh, immunization. Yeah, give us a call, 86 I've got an interesting tweet here from someone who says, um, mm-hmm. I had measles at a big age. I was 35. It was bad and I was hospitalized. I went twice to a doctor and they misdiagnosed until a German doctor who was passing by at the same hospital raised alarm. She ordered that I should be quarantined because I had measles. Uh, so the, it, it, I, I guess here then if, if, if measles is a respiratory uh, virus and, and is, is uh, contagious through air and contact, that quarantining and, and social distancing is an important feature of treatment. So, so that is true, and uh, any cases that are identified um, are required to isolate. Um, unfortunately, though, as I 
as I indicated, uh, the the early symptoms are quite non-specific, and uh, people do become are infectious uh, during that period, uh, and so often the diagnosis uh, is not made because the diagnosis uh, is usually only made when the when the rash appears. So um, often. Uh, the cases have already uh, transmitted the virus to people around them uh, before the diagnosis is made and uh, before uh, the person is able to isolate. Yeah. Uh, and what other treatments, um, what other ac- applicable treatment regimens are um, advisable if, if, if people find that they may have or someone close to them may have contracted measles? So uh, there's no specific uh, treatment for measles. Uh, In young children, we do give them a supplementary dose of vitamin A uh, because that has been shown to reduce uh, the risk of them uh, developing uh, complications. But the treatment is really uh, symptomatic and then uh, treatment of um, uh, any of the complications. When we um, isolate, when we identify a case, we do identify all the contacts um, and provide immunization to all of those contacts. Uh, if that is done timelessly, uh, it will, uh, in some cases, uh, prevent uh, transmission of the virus. So really the key uh, to both preventing Uh, cases of measles and preventing transmission of measles uh, is to make sure that uh, all contacts and all children are protected through immunization. Yeah, zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Give us a call if you have a question or a comment uh, for Dr. Leslie Bamford. Mbona in Mafiken, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. What's your question or your comment? Yeah, my question is a question. I want to ask the doctor this. Uh, we are told that in uh, in the world, Africa contributes 17, 17% of the world population. But in Africa, uh, two out of three people are HIV AIDS. And HIV and measles got no cure. And why Africa is only continent in the world suffering from such diseases without mm. education. That is my question. Okay, thank you so much, Mbona. I really appreciate it. Dr. Bamford, is it true that measles is predominant and mostly only in on the African continent? So I don't have those figures uh, in front of me. Uh, I think all countries do uh, occasionally experience some some outbreaks. Um, but I think it is true that in many countries, uh, measles has primarily been, uh, is, is very well controlled uh, because of um, high coverage rates of uh, immunization. Right. So unfortunately that in... Um, many parts of Africa, um, our vaccination rates remain low and that they declined uh, during the COVID pandemic. So uh, it certainly is true that uh, where immunization coverage rates are low, 
that those are the countries uh, and parts of the world that will be uh, at risk of experiencing either uh, endemic measles uh, or measles outbreaks. Does uh, vaccine skepticism get in the way of uh, a immunization campaign? So uh, historically, we have not seen a lot of uh, vaccine skepticism or hesitancy uh, related to our childhood immunization program. These are very well uh, established uh, vaccines. They are uh, old vaccines, not old, but um, vaccines that have been around for some time that have a long track record of being known to be uh, safe and effective. Yeah. Uh, to date, we have not seen, uh, we, we are very concerned about uh, possible spillover of vaccine hesitancy, um, but we, we have noted that although our uh, childhood vaccination rates uh, were affected during the hard lockdown, we then ran a successful catch-up campaign and we have seen a slow but steady uh, increase in our vaccination rates. Yeah. So we're not seeing a noticeable uh, impact of vaccine hesitancy, uh, but obviously it is something that we are, are very concerned could occur. Yeah. Paul in Stellenbosch, uh, good morning. Um, Oliver, thanks for um, giving me the opportunity. I just have a comment to make. Um, I picked up on the last um, interaction between you and the doctor from the Department of Health regarding vaccine hesitancy. My comment, <clears throat> my comment is actually in that direction, where there's a, a growing body of um, medical practitioners and people who are well versed in virology who um, have questioned the evidence, so-called evidence for the isolation, not only of the SARS-CoV-2, but of all that, of, of all these so-called viruses, including HI, and going back to measles also, and their view regarding measles specifically, um, or the view of one of them who, um, who I've listened to, and who's, his name's Dr. Tom Cowan, he's, a, he's a, a, someone who's an anthroposophist, but a medical doctor also, um, that is that measles is in fact a maturation process in a growing child and not something that needs to be suppressed. It obviously needs to be treated um, in ways that, you know, what was called COVID-19 um, can also be treated. I mean, I've just been on an ivermectin um, course. I'm still on it, in fact, yeah. for, for symptoms that came up the other day. I'm 71, by the way, um, and I'm, I'm in pretty good health. Yeah. Um, I again, I hesitated about calling in because my experience about SAFM is that I've heard, um, I think Eldrin, one of your colleagues, shout down somebody once who who tried to pre present an alternative view. But I thought it's important just to get an alternative view and to to sort of uh, make a plea that you guys start allowing debate um, about views that. Um, you shouldn't be taking sides on. So okay. let me pa just leave it at that, okay? Paul, thank you so much for your call. I'll give uh, Dr. Bamford an opportunity to respond to that on the other yeah. side of this. It's half past 11. Time for your news headlines with Kamukhele Teleri. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. 
32 minutes. What's that? 28 minutes to the top of the hour. You're listening to The Talking Point here on SAFM. Uh, Dr. Bamford, just before we went to the news headlines, Paul, the caller from Stellenbosch, raised the point around vac- vaccine hesitancy and said there's a growing number of medical practitioners uh, in, in the medical community who are raising questions around the efficacy around some of the medical recommendations and treatments such as vaccines. Does that mean anything at all? So I think, of, of course, we are aware that there are um, a number of people, uh, including medical uh, practitioners and other healthcare workers, who are uh, skeptical about uh, vaccines and other treatments. I, I think we just need to be clear, however, that there is um, overwhelming consensus amongst uh, scientists and experts uh, across the world, uh, organizations such as the World Health Organization, uh, together with consensus from um, African and South African experts, that that vaccines are, are safe and effective. There are rigorous and recognized uh, methods for evaluating the uh, effectiveness and safety of vaccines. And all the vaccines that we used have passed through those extremely uh, rigorous processes. And as I have indicated, there is overwhelming consensus uh, that vaccines are an extremely important part of our uh, armamentarium for addressing uh, diseases for preventing uh, and for preventing uh, disease and death uh, in our population. Yeah, let's have a listen at some of these WhatsApp voice notes. Hi Oliver, regarding immunization, I think um, that ECDs as well as primary school should be monitored regarding this. It should be compulsory that the parents submit the clinic cards at the start of the school year grade R's and grade ones, because I know I've asked my sister several times to take a child to be vaccinated because of COVID there was a lag in doing this and she kept on saying that the ECD center um, will monitor it and it never happened the child is starting grade R today and I'm sure the school is unaware of this as well Doc, there's, there's a long-standing relationship between the Department of Health as well as the Department of Education is using schools uh, as a, uh, a means of, of accessing as many young learners as possible to be able to immunize them. Uh, is, is that an ongoing partnership that parents should be aware of? So, yes. So, it's probably good to talk about um, our response to the outbreak. So, we usually divide uh, the outbreak into two parts. Uh, the first being the local response. So, of course, if there is a case that is identified, uh, then uh, that person needs to receive treatment and their contacts um, are followed up, screened if necessary, and provided with uh, immunization. And that, for example, would include if the case is a, a learner at school or a child in an ECD center, uh, then all the other children or learners in that class uh, would be vaccinated. Uh, second of all, uh, we had planned to have a mass vaccination uh, campaign 
uh, starting at the beginning of uh, February. Uh, in the provinces with outbreaks, uh, that has been brought forward. So uh, all of the provinces have either started or will start uh, early in February to offer additional doses of the measles vaccine. Uh, and those doses will be offered to all children from six months uh, to 15 years of age. And obviously, uh, each of our provinces will work very closely uh, with their edu with uh, their education counterparts. Yeah. Uh, and so schools will be uh, one of the main places. Schools and ECD centres will be one of the uh, main sites where vaccination uh, will be offered. So we would really urge parents and caregivers, uh, yeah. if their children are vaccinated, uh, that they take up that um, offer. Uh, so both to make sure that they have had their routine doses, their two doses, uh, but also to take up uh, the offer of an additional dose, whether that is offered at their primary health care facility or as will be the case if it is offered through the ECD centre or yeah. school that the child uh, is attending. Yeah. Let's have a listen at this voice note. Good afternoon, SAFM, and to listeners, it's Selvan Gamde from Durban. And good afternoon to honourable guests. Just like to find out what protocols have been put in place by the government and health departments to bring in the, the immunizations to our schools to curb the spreading of measles and other uh, viruses. So basically, what protocols have been put in place to address this to schools and have the kids Im immunized? Thank you. I guess you just answered that question that came in there, uh, uh, Dr. Bamford. Um, and, and and I guess there's this. That's as extensive as the detail is that you've that you've presented there. But would it be useful to parents to reach out to their school administration, the principal, perhaps, and ask if if they're aware if their school will be having a a, a immunization rollout uh, for measles in particular? So yes, I think so. Um, so so as I indicated, um, each of our provinces and districts, uh, the education and healthcare workers. Uh, should be in contact to be uh, planning uh, vaccinations in schools. We will uh, link, uh, so on an annual basis, uh, we provide uh, HPV vaccination uh, for to grade five girls. Uh, so that uh, immunization campaign starts towards the end of February. Uh, and we are hoping that uh, at the same time as those girls receive their HPV a vaccination. We are expecting that other children uh, in the school will be provided with measles vaccine. So absolutely, I think uh, parents can check uh, with their uh, with the educators at their children's schools to find out uh, what the plans are and uh, whether their children will be offered vaccination. Uh, yeah. through their school. 0860002032, that's the number to dial. If you want to give us a call, let's go to the lines. Muzi out in Durban, good morning. Muzi? Yeah, I, ju I just wanted to ask you, Jeff, because um, uh, measles, as I understand it, I don't know if it's uh, the illness that usually affects small kids, like under the age of 10. Uh, Dr. Bamford, do you want to respond to that? Uh, so, uh, so, 
So that's an interesting question. And uh, historically, yes, measles does usually um, affect, affect children. In fact, young children, uh, children under five are at um, highest risk. In this outbreak, yeah. we have seen more cases in slightly older children. Uh, so it certainly is predominantly a disease of uh, childhood, uh, but it can also um, occur in adolescents and adults. Yeah, okay. Uh, the question I was asking, because um, I remember when I was still very young, uh, I think I was about seven or six years, I had a disease which was called here in, in rural Guadalupe-Natal, it's called Uzatika. And that uh, disease was obviously measles, but the way it was treated was uh, surprising to me because um, a, a, a sick person or a sick child is taken to a marula plant and uh, there is a fall which is done there. But then uh, we leave that because it's a long story. What I wanted to ask from the doctor is, uh, is there any scientific uh, link between uh, measles and marula or maybe it's because Marula uh, fruit uh, does contain uh, some uh, highly effective polyphenols, which may have uh, include vitamin C, um, which which is that uh, is used for treatment or for for reducing the severity of the symptoms of measles. Uh, doc, do you want to do you want to respond to that? So, so I'm not sure that I heard the the, the question. A hundred percent correctly. I think there was a, there was uh, it was said that that marula, perhaps the fruit, was used uh, to treat measles. So uh, that is not a, a recognised treatment. And um, as I indicated, uh, we are not aware of um, there, there are no recognised uh, treatments that that actually treat the measles disease itself. Um, that said, um, obviously, there are uh, medicines or other treatments that can um, treat some of the symptoms, such as... Yes, Doc? Ah, such yeah. as, you know, uh, we sometimes prescribe uh, paracetamol to for fever, etc. So there may be some... Um, other remedies that uh, provide some relief uh, to some of the symptoms. Mm. Um, but I'm not aware of uh, any traditional remedies that are widely used uh, in treating in treating measles. Um, but clearly the 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 caller uh, recovered. Yeah, they... uh, so there there may be some some role for them in the symptomatic treatment, symptomat providing symptomatic relief. Dr. Leslie yeah, Bamford, okay. thank you so much for your time. Uh, Muzin Durban, thank okay, you so much for your call. You. So really, really do appreciate it. That's all the time we have for. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, and that's it for our medical feature. I hope you found that useful.